do you know what? It's like an inside joke for the simmers of colour because the um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the skin tones in the base game for The Sims 4, all the colours up until like the last three, which of course are the darker skin tones, are like they have like a nice varying undertone. They've got like the kind of um, yellowish, reddish undertones. So all the lighter skin tones are great up until the last three skin tones, which are the darker skin tones. And they are just super ashy. They are yeah. like a they have like a grey undertone, and they look so bad. From the marketing agency Two Five Six, it's gaming and marketing, a show about gaming, marketing, and just about everything in between. We speak to experts in the space about how and why interactivity and video games are more relevant than ever in culture, but also in business. And hopefully, you'll walk away with a better understanding of why play matters. I'm Jamin Warren, and in this episode, I speak with Danielle, aka Ebonic Sims. She makes custom designs for other black gamers who don't always see themselves or simselves represented. With her custom content, Danielle is bringing more change, representation, and diversity into games. We'll get into that, but first, a primer on The Sims. Well, tell me a little bit about The Sims. I mean, I'm familiar with the game, but for folks who aren't familiar with it, how do you describe what The Sims is and maybe what it means to you as a player? So The Sims... Oh, where where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Sims is a life simulation game. I mean, the aim of the game... there There is literally no aim of the game, and that's what I love about it. You start off with an adult... You literally play their life, they get married, have kids, get a job. You can live the most mundane life and build up the generations or you can live the craziest life and have the most fun with this one sim and just see them get up to the the, the most madness. Even currently, we've just had Discover University come out and um, I've got a sim in college. So college life has been a bit crazy, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's about simulating life and it means a lot to me. It's helped me get through so many kind of low moments as well as high moments in life. And it's opened so many doors for me as a content creator. So I'm very appreciative. Cool. It's interesting. I mean, The Sims as a franchise has generally been, you know, I think pretty progressive in a lot of mm-hmm. other areas and uh, you know in terms you know gender identity mm-hmm, in terms of mm-hmm. you know in, in terms of like gender expression some of these other you know other parts of human experience so um you know it's unfortunate that there does seem to be some limitations on this end yeah. um cool um how do you how do you think the gaming community is like changing or the perception of like who a gamer is because you've talked a bit i mean one of the other interesting things about the sims is that my understanding is like you know it tends to be like a pretty diverse set of people it doesn't conform to kind of some of the typical stereotypes that people have around who plays games so can you tell me a little bit maybe about how you think the gaming community is changing writ large and maybe a part of you know how maybe how the work that you're doing is changing that perception as well yeah i mean for the most part you would imagine a gamer being a cis white male with the headphones and the ps4 controller on twitch like that tends to be the standard that you see on the front page on twitch so that is what when you say gamer that's what you envision but that Mm -hmm. narrative is most definitely changing and there are a few groups that i'm a part of that are um fighting to change that narrative one of those groups being black girl gamers 
that is a group created by my friend Jayanne Lopez. She wanted a safe space for women of colour who like to game because, again, there's been so much racism, misogyny, mm-hmm. and just, just it's, it is a horrible experience for people of colour, but as well as a, a woman of colour online, mm. that she just wanted to create a safe space for for us to game and game with each other so we don't have to deal with the abuse. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's about finding the groups that do have the different kind of varying sets of people and embracing them so that they can grow and so more people can see them. I mean, yeah, The Sims, the promise there was that you could, you know, kind of do do anything. You could kind of live a life. But it sounds like there were some things that were lacking, right? It sounds like you could do a lot of things, but you couldn't do everything. (laughs) Yes, not everything. As well as it, as well as kind of when it comes to creating a sim, I mean, one of the reasons I do what I do today is because there are some limitations in terms of content. So mm-hmm. when it comes to making a sim of color, there aren't as many options when it comes to I want to say hair and skin mm-hmm. tones as there are if you were creating, let's say, a white sim. I want to say as a base game, roughly twelve kind of hairs under the under the guise of mm-hmm. it being Afrocentric out of about 58. So yeah. it's it's very limited. And I mean, about that's why I do what I do. I want to ensure when you go to make a sim, you're not limited. You don't feel as limited and you see yourself in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially as games are such a global medium, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they ostensibly should represent the the look and style of billions of people Absolutely. Um, especially for games you know there's so many games in which you can you know ride dragons and you know cast spells and exactly. you know be a superhero exactly. and just asking for something straightforward like hey could i have dreadlocks in the game <laughs> somehow that's can like I whoa, have my skin tone? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> now has anybody famous taken notice of like what it is that you've done like any you know any household names who you know have hopped on and figured out some of the work that you've been doing yeah, the well, the main one would be T Pain. That's been the most <laughs> exciting one, because I mean, to be fair, I I've seen T Pain stream. He streams on Twitch, so he himself is a massive gamer. And yeah, um, yeah. I remember the first time he pulled up The Sims, and everyone was losing their minds. Everyone in the chat was like, "Oh my god, he's a simmer. He's playing The Sims." And his sims were just really ashy and everyone was coming for him in the chat. They were like, sir, you got no CC, which is custom content. You got no CC. Your sims are ashy. What's going on? (laughs) And he was trying to make his team, his, uh, I think like his music team or something along them lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was a struggle. He was really struggling. (laughs) And he went to make himself... And there were no dreads, there were no yeah. beards, there was just nothing for him to make himself. So there were a ton of people, because I'm not one to be in the chat like, go download my CC. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not going to do that in T-Pain's chat. <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of people who know what I do and know what, that I um, know about The Sims, but in the chat like, go to Ebonics's website, go download the CC, she's got what you need. And um on stream, he actually went mm-hmm. onto my website and was like scrolling through and commenting, downloading. So I was, I was, yeah, I was losing myself. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, is there a specific interaction that you've had with a fan that's really 
moved you? Like if you could tell, you know, sort of like one story that encapsulates kind of your relationship with the community of people who download your content, you know, what would it be? Something that, you know, that really moved you? Yeah, the one interaction that has ever moved me was um, a lady messaged me and said that her niece like absolutely hated how she Mm. looked. She did not like Mm. how she looked. She didn't like her hair, her skin tone. And she played the Sims, but she never would ever make like a character that looks like her Um, and asked me if I could make this particular hair that we'd seen on Tumblr. Because that's also, that's the place that I started out. I started out on Tumblr. And I said, okay, that's 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 doable. You know, it's a cute, it was a cute little girl's hair with the bubbles. You know, we all a lot of black girls have had their hair with the little twists and the bubbles. So it was, I feel like it was the perfect hair to recreate and push back into the community. And so after I made that, she messaged me and said, Ebonics, I don't think you know how much you've changed my niece's life. She saw the hair. And she made herself, because it was her hair at the time, and she absolutely fell in love with her self. And since then, her self-confidence and how she's seen herself has changed for the better. Mm. And it, it, it hit home because, like I said, playing The Sims and The Sims 2, where there was no content for me to make a sim of myself, it, it, did, have an, it did have an effect on how I saw myself and... Not just that, but there were other things kind of going on in society that didn't make little black girls feel um, yeah, feel loved and appreciated and made them feel a bit conscious about how they looked. And so um, for me to be able to change how that little girl saw herself just through The Sims, it, it, that is something that will always stick with me and always keep me motivated to keep going. That's great. That's so great. You can have an impact on that individual level so that one person can be like, hey, I see myself in this game that I already love. Um, what, a, what a unique contribution there. Some people would say I, I was a bit of a pioneer when it came to kind of like the black orientated or the Afrocentric custom content for The Sims 4 because I'm not the only creator and I always will big up a lot of the, the other creators in the community because we all have our our skills. We all have amazing ideas that we bring to life but a lot of that wasn't happening when I first started out so Mm. being a pioneer people always a lot of the newer creators will always say you know thank you Ebonics you've inspired me to you know bring more content into the community you've inspired me to make a difference we see a need we're going to fulfill that need and so it's yeah it's really heartwarming that yeah not just the people that download the content but people that make the content as well are grateful for the input that I've put in because it's it's called it's giving them inspiration and aspire and making them want to aspire to make that same difference that I want. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Now tell me a little bit about, you know, how the mods are distributed. Like what are some of the you know most popular ones and maybe, you know, which ones are you the most proud of, maybe that were unexpectedly popular amongst uh, your fans and other creators? Um so I have a website, I have a Wix site that I distribute kind of all of my mods after a while i would say the most the most popular do tend to be like the curly hairs the the afro puffs the buns it's literally just because girls do do their hair like that black girls mm-hmm. older black girls um teenage black girls little black girls everyone who plays the sims who is black and a girl loves an afro puff it is the go-to hairstyle mm-hmm. so i mean i think that download in itself has over a hundred thousand downloads so yeah it 
literally screams that a basic something as basic as an afro path is <laughs> so desperately needed in the black simming community so, yeah of course yeah so that is probably one of the proudest because I, I was looking at it, i was like I'm not sure i wasn't even sure if i was going to release that at one point but um yeah yeah no the excitement for it was real and the downloads you know scream the need for it how about on the gaming side? You know, have any game companies reached out to you, like as a consultant? You know, because I think the popularity of your downloads is clearly a sign that there's an audience there that feels like their needs are not currently being met. It seems like a no-brainer that you know gaming companies would think to try to you know bring someone like you in to help them think more expansively about mm-hmm. character creation or representation in some of their games. Right. So, I mean, I've not had that kind of reach out yet. I've had the reach out of, hey, you want to play our game? So I've had... <laughs> <laughs> so the consultancy side of things, I haven't had that kind of reach just yet. But there, I mean, it's still very early days in terms of exposure. But I am yeah. I am I'm in a position where I can like reach out now to organizations and people to say, you know, I really want to make yeah. these changes in your game. I, I feel like I'll make a great addition to the team at this moment to help you bring more diversity and representation into the game. So yeah. it's still early days, but I am hopeful. And that is some, that is a goal in the long run, the kind of consultancy goal. And I was told that 80% of the jobs in 2032 aren't created yet. So I just have mm. to make, I have to make my own role. I have to make my own job. So that's on the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what advice would you give companies? That, like, what can they learn from you and your, your work that would be valuable, valuable for them in terms of like how they create, you know, say like games, for example? Um, think everyone everywhere. That would be <laughs> that would be my advice because everyone everywhere plays a mm-hmm. game. When they go to create a character, people are looking to make themselves. They're not just trying to make a character that fits in with your game and your aesthetic. They want to make a character that kind of looks like them. And so my advice would be when they're in the kind of character modeling stages to reach out. If it, if mm. it's if it's a game that has just a main character, you know, you're perfectly fine to make whatever character you want. But if you're giving us the option right. to, to make the character look as, as different as possible, then you're going to need some outside input. And so, I mean, I'm your girl, but there's also so many people that would love to get involved in that, that those early stages um, of yeah. what they'd like to see within the game, especially when it comes to character creation. It's about reaching out. If you're wanting all of these people to come and make, make the game what it is, you have to make the game about them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What else do you think needs to happen to have more diversity and representation in games? You know, it's getting better, obviously, but what are some of the places where you would like to see more change uh, in the games industry? Um, I guess the staff... You know, you do want to see more people of colour working on the team because I, I guess at the end of the day, they are not just on the team, but in uh, positions of power. So want yeah. to actually have a say in how the game looks, how the game runs, how it's marketed. So a lot more um, people of colour within the industry with power, with with a say so. So that would yeah. be my that would be my absolute number one. And um, I guess, again, like marketing, sponsorships, seeing more people of colour within kind of games marketing 
would mm. I guess help encourage younger people because I I can put my hands up and say as a generational thing being yeah. a gamer was not on my mum and dad's I want Danielle to be list <laughs> <laughs> and that's not just me that's a- across the board many people yeah, were yeah. supposed to aspire to be doctors supposed to be aspire to be dentists and lawyers and just you know really good reputable jobs that they can go back and tell the family right, members right. that you don't talk to other than Christmas that yeah my son or daughter is a doctor da 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 yeah. So that's a generational thing. So I can I can kind of put my hands up and and say okay, you know, we've had some problems in this aspect. But going forward, it would be great to see young people be given more opportunities to see what being a gamer, a games creator, a modder, like anything to do with games, giving them the opportunity to see what it's like to be within the gaming industry to help yeah, aspire yeah. them. Is definitely will definitely be a step forward in seeing the changes in the long run. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Jamin. I appreciate of it course. so much. And thank you for listening to the 256 Podcast, where we talk about the future of play and interactivity. This podcast is produced by Trisha Tonko, with help from Anthony Martinez and music by Lucene. If you like this show, and I hope you do, tell your friends and colleagues, and please leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you're enjoying this podcast, you should check out our research report on different types of marketing strategies in gaming and how you can get started. You can find that at 256.co, where you can also sign up for our newsletter. I'd also love to hear from you. You can find both me, Jamin Warren, and our agency 256, that's spelled out, on Twitter. Thanks so much and take care.